Namaste, Namaskaram, Vanakam, Namolamaha, Jai Ganesha. Please visit our website at classicalyoga.org. And there is a donate button if you'd like to help us out. On this Purnima, obviously we get to celebrate every month the full moon. Let's reflect on reflecting. Actually, the word Hindu, Hindu, which is our first word of recognition, we are Hindu, Hindus. And this word Hindu, first and foremost, means Chandra, the moon. Always associated with Mahadeva Shiva, of course. We live on this fire planet, Bhumimata, because of the alignment of the moon and the sun, Chandra and Surya. Surya, of course, is always associated with Mahavishnu. So remember, fellow Hindus, Harihara Ekarupa Gunashila. As mature Hindus, we always see Saivism, Vaishnavism, and Shaktiism, the mother, Bhumimata as three equal partners. Bhumimata, or Ritta, the first written word for the Hindu Dharma, Ritvijam, victory to Mother Nature. She is our sustenance, our food, our Anamaya Kosha. Hence we always give thanks. Anapurane Sarapurane Sankara Pranabalabeng Yanavaragisiddhyartam Bhiksham Dehi Chaparvati, full of food, full of truth, full of the vital breath of Shiva. These alms we pray for, oh, Ma Parvati. Then we look up and in to the moon, the mind, which has no light of its own, does it? It's merely reflecting the light of El Sol, Surya, the Atmana within, Satchit Ananda, the Surya Narayan. So like the moon, the mind is merely reflector of the Atmana. The Atmana of Satchirananda, pure energy, light, and heat, which translates into the human emotion of love. And that is precisely why the physical body gets stiff, dark, and cold. So too, when we come out of the womb, we're full of this energy and light and heat, warmth, or love. The reality of the Atmana. So the moon or the mind is vital for this is how we get through any one particular incarnation. Remember, our mind can be our best friend or our worst enemy, depending on how we program it or how we allow it to be programmed. From an infant, we begin this process of osmosis, of just simply absorbing dhyana, everything around us. We then subsequently, more or less, take conscious control of what we put into our mind, still, however, affected by our surroundings and our environment and our associations. This is why our first step is karma yoga, learning to do the right thing, common sense ethics, and learning to serve others, which 
his gently beginning the process of softening the ego. Then the next obvious step is to exert full-on devotion to the task at hand, to a relationship. Grounded now in ethics or karma yoga, our devotions become fruitful. Then we further concentrate, which is the essential meaning of the general word meditation. To Hindus, this is Raja Yoga. From Bhakti Yoga now into Raja Yoga, or concentration, contemplation, the better word when referring to matters of the spirit or the Atmana, And then this continues the absorption process. The reflection process, the introspective process. Note that all these English words that start with R-E are all about a connecting process. Reflection. Remember. Religion which, remember, comes from the root religio, initially meaning to link or to bind to simply a moral order. Later in the 1500s, religion became associated with the Abrahamic religions, but its essential meaning is the very meaning of the life process of learning what holds things together. This is why Hindus use the word dharma from dri, meaning to hold. And Hindus also use the word yoga from yuj to yoke. What is holding dharma, what is yoking yoga, one together? This is specifically the Hindu path. Religion, of course, is a very general term. So in order to reflect or give back to someone or something, this initially means that we must go within and absorb inner reflection. Quite obviously, if we've absorbed very little in life, in other words, if we haven't really taken the time to learn a specific area of life, what can we give back? This is why today's so-called yoga is such a travesty. For in as little as 200 hours, people assume they are now certified professional authoritative yogis able to give back, having never really absorbed much or having absorbed the wrong thing. Remember, though, devotion is the vital ingredient. It's what we're devoted to. We can be devoted to the wrong thing for decades. And in life in general, one can give back, importantly, from living an honest, ethical, a good life. This is primary. Just be a good person, be an honest person, an ethical person. Those in the religious spiritual realm may become so absorbed in their inner states of consciousness, in spirit beings within, that they give back a tremendous shakti or darshan or power from that. Others may also or not, have in-depth intellectual studies and give back from those intellectual studies. They may also have some innate devotional experiences or not. A beautiful example of this was in the Ramakrishna order, 
Ramakrishna was obviously an intense bhakti yogi. His intellect was not very developed as far as intellectual study, scriptural knowledge. He was basically illiterate. But he drew to him both types. He drew to him those who were just fully immersed in their inner being and devotion in the devatas, and also the high intellectuals like Swami Vivekananda. But there's another devotee that is often not spoken of. And he was a very simple servant man, if you will, or, or a house servant of one of Ramakrishna's more intellectual devotees, benefactors. And he used to come around to the ashram and became so absorbed in the darshan of Ramakrishna that he wanted to live there permanently and just serve Ramakrishna and immerse himself in bhakti and deep devotions, caring not much for intellectual studies. And I believe his name was Rakakrishnam, but everybody simply called him Laddu. And Laddu, of course, is the sweet treat that Ganapati holds. And there's a very touching story about one day Laddu went off at Ramakrishna's request to sit in front of the Shiva Lingam and do his contemplations. Laddu sat there in front of the Shiva Lingam and became so absorbed in the feeling, in the Shakti of Shiva that his whole body began to sweat as his inner heat increased totally absorbed in a deep contemplative state, he felt something fanning him, cooling his body. He slowly opened his eyes and saw Ramakrishna, his guru, standing above him, fanning him. Ladu fell on his face and prostrated, Oh, Guruji, I should be fanning you. You should not be fanning me. To which Ramakrishna replied, I'm not fanning you. I'm fanning Shiva. Hence the reason that Indu, Chandra, Shiva, Purnima are so intricately connected with the mind is because this mind must be calmed. It must be stilled, full of devotion, Absorption, of the imminent and the transcendent, that it can then reflect back this light of the Atmana. Remember in the Yoga Sutras of the Saiva Hindu Guru Patanjali, there is really a recognition of this understanding of the moon and the mind and Shiva, Chandra. That was his Ishtadevata, Mahadev Shiva, Ishvara. In the beginning, Chitta Vritta Neruddha. One must calm the, con the waves of the mind in order, Taradrasta Svarupe Avastanam, that one may stay established in their true inner nature. 
So the moon, like the mind, reflects back because of its organic substances. Magnesium, silica, aluminum, lumina, the most predominant element. Listen to our podcast on cartoon wisdom and Hindu dharma. In the old cartoon of Rough and Ready, where Professor Gizmo went to the planet Mune Mula, which is aluminum spelt backwards, but certainly not intended in this cartoon, but Muni and Mula are two Sanskrit words. Mula is root, Muni is silence. The Munis are the silent sages, the true yogis, who have taken a vow of Mauna Vakya Parabrahman, silent speech. Beyond the mind, beyond speech, is the Absolute. So the root of silence is absolutely necessary to quiet the mind, which has been slowly quieted through the absorption process from young, trying to take in what is good and wholesome and beneficial and healthy, so that the mind does not get disturbed. This lifestyle naturally and safely calms the mind slowly over time until the mind basically stops or quiets down by itself. And then it can perceive the inner light of the Atmana. This is why every true religion, and certainly Hinduism, is a lifestyle. It's a religious, spiritual, scientific, philosophical lifestyle. It has to be. It has to be a slow, methodical process. Be extremely cautious of any so-called techniques that offer quick or instant enlightenment. No such thing. Imagine, for example, if you're traveling down the road at 70 miles an hour and you jam on the brakes. What happens? Through the laws of motion, you go right through the windshield. However, if the car is going 70 miles an hour, just slowly take your foot off the accelerator until the car eventually slows down. This is following a religious, spiritual lifestyle. It slows the mind down safely and gently until it comes to a stop. And then one perceives that which we always were, the Atmana, simply covered up by life itself, slowing down the mind, step by step, pade pade, thread by thread, sutra by sutra, until poof, no thing. Reflect on reflecting. Go in and in and in. And then go out and follow this swing of life. 
as we go in and we go out, we absorb and then we give back. Take your time. The largest stumbling block on the religious spiritual path is being impatient. Remember the classic story of Indra and Varochana. And Indra studied for 101 years. Obviously over the top, but profound lesson to all of us that be very careful before we start giving back these intimate, deep spiritual teachings and realizations. First, we must have them and absorb them over many decades. And then reflect them out, perhaps simply by example, by one's countenance, by how one lives and how one acts on a daily basis. And this is why we humbly pray to go from untruth to truth and admit our ignorance as we move ever more into a more enlightened state of being, never forgetting the immortal nectar of the Atmana that is our essential nature. Asatoma Gamaya, Tamasoma Jotir Gamaya, Mrityorma Amritam Gamaya, Um Shanti Shanti Shantihi. Shanti.